Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports, episode 167. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Saturday, April 9th, 2022. What's going on, everybody? Okay, so it is, like I said, Saturday. I'm not, I did not do the podcast yesterday. There was a lot going on between the Masters, trying to watch that. There was Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV Plus, the very first iteration between the Mets and the Nationals. I wanted to watch some of that. So there was a, there was Nets, um, Cavaliers for the seventh seed. Like, there's a lot going on yesterday in the sports world. So I thought about after dinner maybe throwing up uh, doing the podcast. But I said, you know what? Better better just wait till tomorrow when I can get this show on the road and get this going. Uh, more to report today anyway. Um, I just got back, actually. Had to do some scouting of a of a, a conference opponent for softball when went, went, went um, to see them play for a little bit. So now I'm back home. I'm ready to go, ready to do this thing. And without further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, so we're going to start off. Had no plans to start off with this, obviously, because it just happened tragically this morning. But unfortunately, I have some sad news to report out of South Florida. Um, Dwayne Haskins has sadly passed away at the age of 24. The Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback was killed early Saturday morning after being struck by a dump truck in Broward County. He was set to turn 25 in just less than a month on May 3rd. Just very sad and tragic. Adam Schefter was the first to report this earlier today. He was apparently attempting to cross the westbound lanes of Interstate 595 on foot when he was struck and hit by a dump truck, according to Florida Highway Patrol. He was pronounced dead at the scene, and authorities said it was unknown why he was walking on the interstate. Now, um, I heard earlier uh, um interview with Adam Schefter on ESPN that it was thought to believe he ran out of gas on the side of the road, got out, and was struck that way, but I don't understand what he would be doing trying to cross the road. I really don't want to speculate, um, but this doesn't sound like this is something that somebody in their right frame of mind would do. So was he under the influence? Was he... Uh, who knows what was going on there. So I'm not going to speculate, but uh, just horrible, horribly tragic. Um, for anyone that knows, Dwayne Haskins, until about ninth grade, grew up in Highland Park, New Jersey, which is about 10, 15 minutes from me. Um, so he grew up right around the corner from me. Um, he It wasn't until, I think, ninth grade that he moved to the Potomac, Maryland area. And then, of course, he went on to play at Ohio State. I think he redshirted his first year, was a backup his second year, and by his junior year, he set the all-time passing touchdowns record with 50 touchdowns and over 4,800 yards. He came in second that year in the Heisman, and he was drafted 15th overall by the Washington Redskins. He didn't last 
two years there before he was um, either traded or picked up, I think picked up by the Steelers, and he was battling this offseason with Mitch Trubisky. So he was down there in South Florida with Mitch Trubisky. Um, I believe Najee Harris was there because he posted something on his Instagram yesterday with Najee Harris, and some other Steelers players were there, and they were you know preparing for, for the season. I know Mike Tomlin, I saw, released a statement um, about his passing as well. It's just it gut-wrenching when you hear something like this happen because it's just out of the norm. It's not something that you hear every day, and it's just what whether you like the guy or not or knew of him or not, you know, he struggled in his first couple of years, but that's besides the point. Somebody lost their life, and it's extremely tragic, and it hurts, and I'm sad. it's sad hearing this because, um, you know, that – Dwayne Haskins has a family. He he's a son. He 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 was recently married. Uh, I mean, th- there's family members that are now hurting, teammates that are hurting, and it's just extremely tragic. So, uh, my condolences, my heartfelt condolences, go out to 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 Dwayne Haskins, his family, his wife, etc. Everybody affected by by this in the Steeler and Washington organizations, his coaches, his teammates, everybody. Um, just very, very sad and very, very tragic. So again, Dwayne Haskins has sadly passed away this morning at the age of 24 after being hit by a dump truck on Interstate 595 in Florida. Okay, now we can hopefully switch gears a little bit and recap a wild weekend that we had starting with the Women's National Championship game last Sunday night between South Carolina and UConn. I turned this game on. It apparently did very well with the ratings, um, but South Carolina dominating this game, beating UConn 64-49. to they dominated the glass. That was actually it was actually hard to watch at times, and this was the early storyline. Just second chance opportunity after second chance opportunity. It was very hard at times to watch. UConn could not shoot. They could not rebound. It was a miracle they were staying, you know, keeping pace somewhat with with South Carolina. Cut it to like six at one point. Um, Aaliyah Boston. She was the hero. She avenged last year's heartbreaking loss to Stanford. If you guys remember, I have a cool clip of that that was put out there. Um, Last year, they lost at the buzzer. Her tip-in missed, and she was seen crying while she got some sweet revenge this year. So there you have it. Happy tears for sure for Aaliyah Boston as South Carolina gets the W and wins the national championship. That was one note on this game. That was Gino Oriema's first ever loss in a national championship game. This is Dawn, This was Dawn Staley's second title at South Carolina and her 10th straight 
NCAA tournament appearance at the school. However, I do have to say one thing about Dawn Staley. What the hell was she wearing? Um, I had to look at this up. It was it was just a horrible look. Looked like a varsity letterman jacket. Well, it was a 4,800 Louis Vuitton letterman jacket and matching shoes that she was wearing. Um, just a horrible look. It was green and white. There were no insignia, no logo, nothing to do with South Carolina. Um, so I don't know what that was all about, but it was just a bad look. And I'm pretty sure that she should be wearing South Carolina colors as I look up and Tiger Woods misses a four-foot putt. The wheels are coming off on moving day for Tiger Woods as he's probably going to move to four over for the tournament as Scotty Scheffler sitting at 10 over, now holding a six-shot lead. And this is him just off the green with a putt opportunity. It's going to go left to right. This is his second shot. I'm surprised he's putting this, and he's going to miss it by a lot, actually. So he'll have about a six-foot putt to save par, maybe five-footer, but he's dominating the field right now. Okay, earlier in the week, Carlos Beltran opened up in an interview with Michael Kay on center stage about the, the whole sign-stealing scandal of 2017 with the Houston Astros. couple notes here. Beltran said he knew um, we were wrong, but at the time, the team thought it was simply efficient and cutting-edge. Nobody thinks they're cheating until they're caught cheating. That's the thing about that. Beltran also said that if anyone told them to stop, they would have, and he is perplexed as to why he was the only one named and punished in all of this. And yes, that is a true fact, because at the time, all the players were given immunity. Carlos Beltran was a player at the time when, when he cheated and did all this and was the ringleader. However, when the investigation and everything else took place, he was no longer a player. So he was punished, which I think is complete ridiculousness because when the crimes were committed, he was a player. Therefore, he should be protected. He was hired as the Mets manager and fired two days later when all of this came out. And Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch have both received second chances. Alex Cora came back as the manager of the Boston Red Sox last year and A.J. Hinch was hired by the Detroit Tigers to be their new manager last year. So Carlos Beltran is still trying to fight his way back, and he will be joining the Yes Network crew as an analyst. Um, and I guess that's how he'll work his way back before he gets another opportunity to be a manager. Those guys, of course, had managerial and coaching experience, and Beltran did not. Um, what's interesting about all this, though, is that Brian Cashman recently said the scheme was illegal and horrific. Very interesting comments, considering, of course, like I said, he just is the one that hired Beltron as a yes analyst. So a little per perplexing there. OK, let's get to the men's national championship game. It was a very close one. It was a uh, game for the ages. Shame on the network for putting this on at. 20 after 9. I'm sorry, West Coast, but find a way to watch it. This is ridiculous. People on the East Coast have to wake up 
early hours in the morning. I have to wake up at 5.30 every morning, and this game ended at a quarter to 12, midnight. A quarter to midnight. So, ridiculous. Anyway, in the end, it was North Carolina collapsing, blowing a 15-point halftime lead. The, the, the lead swelled to as many as 16. This is the... This was the MO this tournament with Kansas. Remember, they got down by six against Miami in the Elite Eight at halftime. They roared back, only allowing 15 points. I think they outscored them 42 to 15 in that second half. And it was no different here against North Carolina as um, they come back from 16 down and they win this by three. It was a really, really good finish. Um, They almost blew it. They ran out of bounds. They had the ball up three. They inbounded it, and the Kansas player stepped out of bounds. So North Carolina got one final shot, and they couldn't get it done yet. Um, they outscored them by 18 in the second half, 47-29. to 29. Kansas just dominating in the second halves of these games. Um, and, of course, right at the end in the final minute, Armando Baycott re-injured that ankle, collapsing to the floor. Without him, Kansas went down low. Two times in a row, I believe it was, to uh, McCormick for two easy lay-ins and gave them the three-point lead. And that was all she wrote. Bill Self wins his first title after a 14-year drought. I remember that game. Mario Chalmers hitting the three to send it to overtime against Calipari, Derek Rose, and Memphis. He's just the 16th coach to win multiple national titles at the D1 level. Um, Got to hang your hats, tip your caps to to North Carolina. Hubert Davis, they were trying to become just the second ever eight seed to win the national championship. Of course, Villanova did it in the 80s, I believe. Uh, they were the first team to do it, the only team to do it, and they did it in the year that the uh, field expanded to 64 teams. So, yeah, what a, what a finish. What a tournament we had this year. Glad to see fans finally back in the stadiums. It just brings so much more to the game. Okay, some news to report from the Nets. I'm not really surprised here, but it has to do with Ben Simmons. It has been confirmed Ben Simmons will miss the play-in tournament. So for the Nets' sake, hopefully it's just the one game between the 7-8 matchup there. They can win that, become the 7 seed, and then we don't have to worry about anything else, uh, uh, you know, a second elimination game or anything like that. But the Nets control their own destiny after beating the Rockets and coming back from 21 down against the Knicks the other night. The Nets beat the Cavs last night and now own the seven seed. They just have to beat the Pacers tomorrow night and they will secure that seven spot and they will host probably the Cavaliers in that 7-8 matchup in Brooklyn. So uh, that's good news there should the Nets you know, win and get in as the seventh seed, they will face either the Bucks or the Celtics. And hopefully, 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 they will get Ben Simmons back for that first round series. I like their chances more so against Boston than I do Milwaukee, although I know everybody is clamoring for a uh, Bucks versus Nets first round. Although, why, why, why do we want that in the first round? Let's, let's get that you know, later in the second or or the Eastern Conference Finals because that was one hell of a series last season between those two teams. And I am convinced that if if Kyrie Irving didn't get hurt, the Nets would have won that series for sure. 
but can't harp on the past. All right, let's talk another wide receiver this offseason has been paid. Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs inked a new four-year, $104 million extension, including $70 million guaranteed. $70 million guaranteed. It is not quite the 72 mil guaranteed that Tyreek Hill got from Miami, but uh, it's still pretty damn good. Stefan Diggs, one of the best receivers in the NFL, has been um a revelation, a stalwart for Josh Allen has really taken that Bills team to the next level. Okay, back to baseball. They are going to be do. Oh, as Tiger sinks a a nice little ten to twelve foot putt there. I'm not really sure where he's at right now. They they usually flash it up on the board. I'm watching this on CBS. There he is, Tiger, just birdied twelve after the bogey at eleven, so he is sitting at four over. So Tiger's not going to win this thing by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still amazing what he's doing on pretty much one leg after going, you know, fourteen months without playing. So all right, back to baseball. Like I was saying, they're de- debuting this whole. Pitchcom system, they're calling it, in an attempt to curb sign stealing. On Tuesday, Major League Baseball announced it will allow teams to use what they're calling Pitchcom, which will be a digital communication system that allows catchers to transmit signals for pitchers uh, and fielders. According to Buster Only, some teams' catchers are not yet comfortable with this, but he did say expect every team to be utilizing this by season's end. So very interesting. I'm not sure how it's going to work exactly, but that is one way to um, to stop the sign ceiling. However, I want to know how well this will work when there's, you know, 20,000 fans in attendance, etc., and everybody's on their cell phone and it's jamming signals and they're, you know, when you go to a stadium and you don't have a really good signal, or service, it's because everybody's using it. So hopefully they can get that whole thing buttoned down so there's not really any um, issues with it. Okay, Jose Ramirez and the Cleveland Indians, of course they're called the Cleveland Guardians now, um, have an agreement in place on a five-year, $124 million extension. The deal has a total guarantee of $150 million, including two option years currently remaining on Ramirez's deal and a full no-trade clause. Interesting because there were rumors that the Padres, excuse me, the Padres were closing in on a trade for Ramirez, and then about an hour later, news of this deal surfaced. So, Jose Ramirez is staying put with the Cleveland Guardians. The Houston Astros and reliever Ryan Presley are also in agreement on a two-year, $30 million contract extension. Presley is 33 years old. He joined the Astros in 2018 after being traded from Minnesota. He's a two-time All-Star in 2019 and 2021. He was 5-3 with a 2.25 ERA through 64 innings pitched in 2021, recording 26 saves. We also had a trade. The Twins acquired right-handed pitchers Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan from the Padres in exchange for All-Star left-handed pitcher Taylor Rogers and outfielder Brent Rooker or Roker. The Padres thought they had a deal in place over the weekend with the Mets for Dom Smith, but that fell through. So Paddock and Pagan going to Minnesota. The Padres getting 
a very good closer in Taylor Rogers. In fact, he notched his first save with San Diego last night in a 3-0 defeat of the Arizona Diamondbacks um, in the second game on Apple TV Plus last night. Okay, let's talk the Masters finally. Tiger Woods is back. He made that announcement earlier in the week. Played in a nine-hole practice round. Figured he was good enough to go. And he suited up and he jumped out there on Thursday's opening round. And he shocked the world by shooting a one under 71. Just magnificent, okay? I argued with my brother that there was no chance Tiger would make the cut. But then after watching his performance on Thursday, I said, he's definitely making the cut. I was shocked after, uh, you know, he looked a little hobbled on that leg. That's what everybody kept talking about. I was listening um, on Thursday. I took half a day because I had to get blood work. So I was listening right, uh, right when he teed off. There was a rain delay. So he didn't tee off till like 11 um, oh four, I believe, or eleven, no, eleven thirty four, and I was listening on the radio, and all anybody was talking about was that Tiger is really hobbling on that leg, and he doesn't look great. But then he started to ease in, and the leg started to loosen up and feel a little bit better, and he did more than enough to keep himself above water. His seventy one, to put it into perspective, was better than Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy. All three of those guys shot plus one. John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, and Xander Shoffley. Those three guys shot two over. Just ridiculous. Um, some quick notes on his first round under par after round one for the 11th time in his career. In nine of the previous 10 instances, he went on to finish in the top 10. And in four of those instances, he won. He was four shots off the lead after round one in 2019. Of course, entering yesterday, he was four shots back, and then he faltered a little bit. I think he finished the day at uh, one over or so. And today, like I said, has been a little bit more shaky. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he steadied yesterday after a rough start and finished at one over to make the cut. Of course, my brother bet on him to make the cut, and that's why I was arguing with him on Thursday. But he looked good. He made the cut. He's not going to win. But uh, here was Tiger after yesterday's round, um, how he felt and, you know, what he thought going into the weekend. Three birdies and two bogeys for the five-time champion. I want to ask about your round in a moment. But considering everything that's transpired over the last 14 months, how would you describe your emotions leading to that first shot on the first tee this morning? Well, I did not have a very good warm-up at all. You know, I, I hit it awful. And uh, uh, as my dad said, um, did you accomplish your task? Did you warm up? I said, yes. Now <laughs> go, go play. And that's exactly what I did. I, you know, blocked it out. And I felt like, hey, I'm warm. Go play. Let's just go get it done. You know where to put it. Um, execute each shot. And, um, you know, as the round built, uh, you know, I was able to get into the red. Um, I got out of there and got to even par. Uh, but you know, made made two stupid mistakes at eight back to back. Um, loss of concentration a little bit there, but I fought back and, um, and for the day to end up in the red. I'm right where I need to be. With that said, what was this opening round able to tell you about your game and your body that the practice rounds couldn't? Well, th I've been saving it. You know, that's just the thing. You know, I came up here as a as a test run to see if I could, and I was able to play. As I said in a press conference, the 27 holes because we went to play the part three content, uh, part three course, and uh, you know I I felt good, you know, and the whole idea was to 
keep pushing, but keep recovering. And, you know, that's the hard part is, you know, each and every night to recover. Um, and I've been doing that. Uh, my, my team has been incredible, mm -hmm. uh, getting me ready. And I figured once the adrenaline kicks in and we get fired up and I get into my, my little world, um, I should be able to handle business. So you got an afternoon tea time tomorrow. What will the next 16, 18 hours look like for you? Uh, lots of ice. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger, we appreciate the time. Yeah, so Tiger having some fun there. No doubt, nobody really truly understands exactly what Tiger Woods has gone through in these past 14 or so months to get his body ready to go and to be able to to come back from such a devastating uh, leg injury. The nerve damage was so severe, severe they thought they were going to have to amputate Tiger Woods's leg. That's how bad it was. He has rods, he has screws, you name it, in that leg. And it cannot be easy because, let's face it, the weather has not been great. The weather is terrible today. It was rainy on day one, so it played a little easier. Yesterday, it was much harder to play, much more difficult. Um as it was windier, and today you see guys like Colin Morikawa was wearing a gaiter, like literally over his head because he was freezing. Ke uh, Kevin Kisner had a, a beanie on, so it's clearly windy. It's clearly cold. A lot of guys wearing vests, um, sweaters, so that can't be easy for a guy like Tiger Woods who has had a number of back surgeries, knee issues, uh, you name it. He's put together with, you know, duct tape and chewing chewing gum and paper clips for god's sakes you know so what he's doing it's ridiculous he 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 the mental fortitude the strength the 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 physical um ailments that he's going through he's clearly pe playing through pain and he's playing better than a lot of these golfers you know so it, it is unbelievable what he has has accomplished so far through three rounds even and just to make the cut the big storyline with this Masters so far has been the number one golfer in the world, your world number one, Scotty Scheffler, at just 25 years old. Oh, my God, what a shot. Oh, my God, slow down, ball. Slow down, ball. What a shot by Justin Thomas from the pine straw. It was a blind shot, and he hit it onto the green. Wow. Um. Anyway... Yeah, Scotty Scheffler, 25 years old, continues to dominate the game. He sits, like I said, he was sitting at uh, 10 under just before. He was 8 under going into today with a commanding five-shot lead over last year's winner, Matsuyama, who was tied with who was tied with Shane Lowry, Sungjae Im, who was your leader after day one, and Charles Schwartzel, all at minus three. Of course, Schwartzel was your Masters winner back in 2011. So let's look at the updated standings right now. You have Scheffler is at nine under. Shane Lowry has jumped up to five under. You have Cameron Smith, who was a sneaky pick, um, who I was tempted to bet on at four under. Schwartzel is at three under. And Justin Thomas, who shot, uh, he tied with Schefter yesterday for a uh, with Scheffler yesterday, they both shot 67. That was the low of the day, and JT got it down to one under. He's one under today, so he's sitting at two under. Listen, nobody's going to win this thing unless Scheffler chokes and, and and falters and gets down to, say, six under, uh, somewhere around there. That's the only chance anyone's going to have because 
Even for Justin Thomas at two under, he's seven shots back. It's going to take a whole lot of work to catch up to him. So, so far, it's been a good first couple of rounds, and I'm just going to enjoy watching this the rest of the day. All right, let's talk uh, opening day on Thursday in Major League Baseball. It gave us some pretty cool moments. Um, The big one here was Joey Votto mic'd up with, uh, at first base, Ozzie Albies gets to first base, and Joey Votto's like, hey, man, I'm mic'd up. He's like, don't say anything bad. So then then this was uh, the reaction from Ozzie Albies. You know, my first priority, especially of being up two runs, um, is I'm mic'd right now. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say hi to everyone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> everybody knows Ozzy. Yes, of course. Um, you know. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Then there was they were joking a little bit later. Um, Joey Votto was asking Albies. He's like, oh, you know, should I get a gold tooth? And, you know, they were they were joking about about that. So that was pretty cool. I don't know. It's a little gimmicky. I don't know how much I like it. I'm sure that is definitely a way that they're trying to gauge the younger fan and bring the younger fan in because young fans, little kids that 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 look up to Avado or an Albies, they will appreciate that, that they're interacting with us at home and and all that good stuff. But I just think, you know as a player slash coach, it's like, pay attention to the game. Like, what are we doing? But in any case, it was fun to see those two going at it or having a conversation while the game's going on. Um, Speaking of Votto, he, he might have been a little distracted having the mic on because for the first time in his career, I'm talking 8,132 plate appearances this was the first time in Vado's career that he popped out to the pitcher. Oh my God. Just unbelievable. Just goes to show what a great hitter he is. All right, we've got a little beef brewing between Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. In an I Instagram Live, Ronald Acuna said he wouldn't miss Freddie Freeman and that the two barely had a relationship thanks to how Freeman treated him as a rookie. Well, here was Freddie Freeman's reaction to that. He was interviewed, now a member of the Dodgers, so they interviewed him and asked him this question. Now, there are reports everywhere today that Ronald Acuna Jr. went on Instagram Live last night and said that he had a beef with you when you played with the Atlanta Braves, and paraphrasing. Um, He then went on Twitter and said that he did not say that, but there have been multiple reports confirming that he he did, in fact, say that. Uh, What is your reaction to hearing Acuna's thoughts about you that way? Uh, No, obviously I've heard everything that was said, but, you know, I – I'm going to miss Ronald. Um, Charlie's going to miss Ronald. My family's going to miss Ronald. So um, that's my side of it. Uh, I love Ronald Acuna, and I can't wait for him to get healthy and get on the field. And I think he's great for the game of baseball. It's a talent that uh, is going to be something that's talked about for 100-plus years because those kind of talents don't come around in this game. And, you know, I, I, I saw the eye black situation. Um, you know, it's just when you put on a Braves uniform in that organization, there's organizational rules. Uh, you don't cover the A with sunglasses. You don't wear earrings. You don't have you have your hair a certain length. You wear a uniform out on the during BP. You know, you don't have eye black coming down across your whole face. Those are just organizational things. So, 
you know, I guess, you know, I was one of the older guys that did have to enforce those kind of things in the clubhouse, but um, those are kind of, when you put on a Braves uniform, those are kind of what happens there. So uh, I, I, I don't, I didn't view as any friction or clashes or anything like that. I, I loved Ronald. I still love Ronald. I'm going to miss Ronald. My family's going to miss Ronald. And I can't wait for him to get on the field again because the game of baseball needs him. Well, Freddie, let me, let me comfort you a little bit. I had to do that to a kid who wore an earring and he turned his hat backwards and said, hey, we don't have rules like yeah. that. I got beat up. He's in Cooperstown. Yeah. <laughs> that day will pass. Those are rules that team the yeah. organizations no, have. It's fine. The rules yeah, will pass. It's Those just an organizational thing. Yeah, it's good. It's organizational <laughs> rules. Uh, you know, that's what how I came in. Those were Those were in place. And, you know, I was, you know, 2016, Two years before Ronald got called up, I had uh, Christian Louboutin shoes on on the road. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to wear nice clothes on the road, collared shirts, jeans. And in my mind, um, those aren't tennis shoes. So I had someone who was higher up in the organization coming up to me on the road and said, hey, we don't wear tennis shoes on the road. This is 2016. I said, I know we don't wear tennis shoes on the road. Um, he goes, well, those you have tennis shoes on. I said, I can't play tennis in these shoes. You know, like these, I thought these were nice shoes. And he goes, no, you have to have a heel on the shoe in this organization. So, and back then it was like those Cole Hahn shoes, those little dress up shoes. And I said, oh, okay, sounds good. And I had just gone to Brandon Hicks uh, wedding and I had to wear cowboy boots. So the rest of the year I wore cowboy boots because they had heels on it. You know, it's just, those are like little rules that the Braves organization had. And, you know, like, I was just okay with it. You know, that's just, I just said yes and did them. So uh, it's unfortunate that he like viewed it like that, but you know, I just, we were always told, you know, that like you, you put on a Braves uniform, you, you, you're supposed to act a little differently and hold yourself a little differently. And, you know, I just tried to uphold those rules the best I could. So there you have it. I have no issue whatsoever with Freddie Freeman's take. Of course, Harold Reynolds was referring to, jokingly, Ken Griffey Jr. And absolutely, it's the same thing. You know, the Yankees, you can't, you have to have clean shaven. Josh Donaldson looks, un, you know, unrecognizable now as a Yankee because he has no beard. He's completely clean shaven. So these are just, like he said, organizational rules. And as the veteran of the team, it was his responsibility to hold him to a, you know, a higher class to prove you know he's a rookie to tell him listen you're not abiding by the rules when you're representing this Braves organization there are rules in place and he's right the eye black it's ridiculous looking and Ronald Acuna thinks he's above that because he's one of the great players in this league and this is what happens when you pay these players hundreds of millions of dollars I think Acuna's deal he got skimped on his deal because he signed a little early he got like eight years and a hundred and like I think only 18 million, something like that. And, but when you pay these guys this much, they think they're above everybody and they can do whatever they want. And Freddie Freeman was just trying to, you know, show him the way. Like he said, somebody higher up in the organization told him, you can't wear those shoes on the road. And he was like, okay, thank you. And he didn't wear them the rest of the year. So I have no issue with this. We're going to see, though, later in the year when Acuna comes back. I think he's expected to miss a month or so. Of course, still recovering from that ACL injury. So we'll see if um, once these two face each other, if there's any beef. I'd like to see them face off in the playoffs as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what goes on with those two later in the year. 
Okay, next up, Shohei Otani made a little history on Thursday night. He struck out nine batters on 80 pitches, including retiring Jose Altuve three times. That is significant because Otani is only the fourth pitcher ever to strike out Altuve three times in a single game. Can you name the other three? I'll give you a hint. Two of them are currently pitching. One of them is no longer pitching. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick Okay, the answer being Matt Cain in 2012, Zach Granke in 2017, and Max Scherzer did it last year. Otani was not done, however, after exiting the mound. The reigning American League MVP did remain in the lineup as the DH. How is that possible, might you ask? Well, under a new rule nicknamed the Shohei Otani rule, a team can list a player as both the pitcher and designated hitter for a game. If the team removes the player from, from one role mid-game, he can remain in the other. The Angels did, however, go on to lose the game 3-1 to one to Houston. All right, back to football for a quick second. The Texans and Brandon Cooks have agreed on a new two-year uh, deal. There was rumors once again with the with the Jets and some other teams that have been looking for a um, a wide receiver. I know Jets are desperately looking for a wide receiver, but unfortunately, Brandon Cooks has re-signed f- on a two-year deal with the Houston Texans. I was a little bit surprised when I heard about this, but um, let's see. Uh, Cooks was owed $12.5 million base salary for this upcoming 2022 season. Um, Let's see. Yeah, it doesn't say. Let let me see if I can get a number. Now, no price um, for the two-year extension, but you can imagine it's probably... It's probably in the neighborhood of the 20 million range or so. All right, let's talk a little Friday night baseball on Apple TV. It all began with Mets Nationals at 7.05. Of course, of course, the first Friday night baseball game on Apple TV Plus ever, which was free, by the way. Yesterday was completely free to anybody that wanted to watch. There was a light delay. So the lights at Nationals Park were not working. They kept going off and then on and then off again. So there was a slight delay, but that gave us this gem of an interview with Juan Soto. Take a listen to this one. It was completely hysterical, if you ask me. Welcome back to Nationals Park. We're here in a light delay, but it gave me a little time to grab our guy Juan Soto here. Juan, uh, you have a little message, right? Yes, I do. To all my Apple people, we need Apple TV for all my teammates, coaches, everybody. We need headsets, we need phones, we need all that you have. So we can lock in with everything. <laughs> I think we have a, We have some connections, I think, I would say. Right, guys? But um, listen, you're going up against... So thought that was pretty funny. And that wasn't the first time he said it. When he was in the field, mic'd up, warming up and stuff at around like second base outfield area, he said it again there too. He's like, let me get, we need all Apple products for our, for our team and everybody, which I'm sure they're going, they're, they're going to get. Cause later in the game, I think they said they were planning on sending all, uh, they said Apple TVs were, were on their way. 
to 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 the players. Um, but later in the game, things got a little heated as benches cleared and there was a slight brawl after Francisco Lindor got hit in the face with a with a pitch. Buck Showalter is immediately out. We talked about how this was a really tense game yesterday. And both dugouts are out there on the field. Dugouts have cleared. Bullpens are coming out now. Three Mets hit by a pitch yesterday against the Nationals. It sounded like Buck and Dave had cleared the air. They know that they're trying to find a grip on these new baseballs, and it's just really tough. But you've got a star like Lindor. You're trying to see him have a turnaround year with this club that he has signed such a big contract with. Important to note, though, that was scary to see Lindor go down. But he's up. He's walking around. He's staying on the perimeter of that scrum. And you've got veterans like Nelson Cruz who are going to keep people at bay right now. Pete Alonso got lucky yesterday as that ricocheted again right off the ear flap. He had a busted up lip. He was negative for concussion protocol. You see Eric Young Jr., Soto, a couple other guys who are taking the time to check on Lindor. So in Thursday's game, Pete Alonso got hit in the face, and if he didn't have um, his helmet on or the little guard that comes across the face, he would have been seriously hurt. He immediately grabbed, thinking he was missing teeth. He was a little bloodied up um, from, like, the chin strap or something, from what I heard. Um, but a scary moment there. That was, what, the third player, the third Mets batter, two of them being hit in the face area um, in two days. So I, I know the pitcher uh, – was thrown out of the game. The third base coach for the Nationals was thrown out. Uh, Buck Showalter, who basically initiated this, was not, surprisingly. But um, everybody involved is okay, and we move on. And the Mets ended up getting the win, I believe, by a final. Let me just check, double-check to make sure this was right. I think by a final score of, yes, 7-3. to three. And, of course, the storyline going in was Max Scherzer facing off against his former team in the Nationals. Um, one thing I'll say, too, about, like, the Apple TV Plus broadcast, sorry for any of those that didn't get to watch it or don't know how to watch it, but if you have an iPhone, if you have an iPad, an Apple TV, or any streaming device that gets the Apple TV um, application. I know some older devices don't if they're non-Apple devices. Um, all you have to do is go into that Apple TV app. It's the little black square with the Apple logo in white and the letters TV in lowercase also in white. You go in there and it was plastered all over the main page under the watch now. And like I said, yesterday was free. But overall, if you want to watch these Friday night games and, you know, it's five bucks a month for Apple TV Plus, and they're constantly adding. They have they have original content, TV shows, movies, you name it. They have some good stuff on there. I'm watching Slow Horses right now. Of course, I don't want this to be some like Apple ad because overall, I did think the broadcast was complete garbage. The announcers they had the main woman. She has a good broadcasting voice, no doubt. They had former major leaguer Chris Young on there, um, who gave some good analysis, but he. He's raw at this. He doesn't have a, he didn't speak very great or very well, I should say. And then they had some third woman on there that looked like some knockoff, like Megan Rapino looking 
woman or something. So they're really pushing, you know, these females onto us in, in the broadcast. But here's what I'll say. Most of the time I'm watching these baseball games, I'm watching them secondarily on a device like my iPad. So I don't even have the sound on. I just want to be able to see the game in crystal clear HD, and that's what I was able to get. Now, they did put um, some graphics up there. The scoreboard was in the top left. I thought that was well done. Wasn't taking up a whole lot of the screen. But the other stuff they just had in white letters, like on the bottom of the screen, like a freaking PowerPoint presentation. It was kind of bad. They had like odds of guys to get on base, which is new, new, new stats like that you've never seen on another broadcast. So they're trying to spice things up with the technology. It's like, oh, uh, strikeout percentage for this batter is 18% or to get on is 38% or whatever based on the situation. Um, and then they had odds for the game of different things, but it was all in the bottom right corner and just white like font, like times or um, aerial font or something. So they could do a little better with that. But overall, it was fine. I got to watch the game and it was in HD and it was free. So anybody complaining that said you had to pay, you did not have to pay. Yesterday was free. Going forward, you will have to pay. But it's two games a week on Fridays. Not a big deal. And what's cool about that is I can now go back like I did this morning and I could rewatch the Mets game if I want or the Padres game that I missed because that was later on in the night. Um, and they have like a um, live studio show too where they go over stuff. So I think it was pretty overall, it was decent and it will only get better going forward. And I'm one of those guys that does not pay for MLB.TV. Um, it's $130. I'm not paying to get every game. I just don't do that. So to get some extra games here on Apple TV, something I do pay for, and I'll get Yankee games on Peacock, something I also have. I'm excited. I'm happy. You know, it's my dad doesn't know how to use it, but uh, it's good for me, and it it's good for the younger generation, I guess, that get to you know watch some extra games for those of us that don't have MLB.TV. All right, let's jump back a little bit earlier in the the day, um, Friday, and then also on Thursday. We've had about four or five walk-offs thus far throughout the season. Um, we'll start with Yankees-Red Sox. I was watching that at work before I left yesterday, and immediately first inning, Garrett Cole didn't have it, gives up a two-run homer. Yankees were losing 3 nothing. They started to make a comeback, and in extra innings, the newly acquired Josh Donaldson Made history. Take a listen. This was, I think, bottom 11. Grounded up the middle. Does it get through? Yes, it does. Here comes Connor Falefa. It's a walk-off RBI single for Josh Donaldson. His first game is a Yankee. And the Yankees win 6-5. to five, And the celebration begins. A nice welcome to pinstripe moment for Josh Donaldson. So, yeah, there you hear it. Josh Donaldson getting the game-winning walk-off hit for the Yankees. And, of course, the other newly acquired Yankee, IKF, came around to score to win that game. Go back to the 10th inning with the Yankees down down a run, and you had pinch hitting Glaber Torres. He hit a fly ball, uh, sack fly, which tied the game. And then, of course, Donaldson won it there in the 11th. So, cool moment for the Yankees. Always nice to beat the rival Red Sox on opening day. Quick note, that was the Yankees' first walk-off win on opening day since 1957. We then had the Giants walk it off against the Marlins yesterday. Take a listen to that one. Another cool moment. 
will be his third at bat. He reached on an air in the eighth. He's 0 for 2. Down the left field line. Ruff is on the move. Ruff is on the move. They're going to wave him in. Ruff is on the move. And this game is over. Austin Slater knocks in Darren Ruff. And we are going home. That's right. Austin Slater gets it done, and the Giants walk it off. I'm curious to see if they have another really monster season this year or if last year was a bit of a fluke. Here was our first walk-off of the season, I believe, on Thursday night. Seth Beer getting it done for Arizona in their come-from-behind win as they were getting no hit through six innings. This was a great call, by the way. And now the tie runs 90 feet away. Winning run at second. Seth Beer, fly ball. Right field, it's National Beer Day. Good night, everybody. Oh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Seth Beer wins it on opening night. Wow, I don't believe it. Get that man a beer. You get him a double. We told you Seth Beer was going to hit, and boy, did he come up with a big one right there. Yeah, there you have it. Seth Beer giving us a walk-off home run on Thursday as Arizona comes from behind to win. And finally, we had a wild walk-off between the White Sox and Detroit Tigers. So Liam Hendricks came on for the save. He blew it. Tigers, somebody hit a home run to tie it. Austin Meadows hits a triple, and then Javi Baez comes up with two outs. This was just so, so interesting. If you can't tell what happened in the audio here, I will explain it afterwards. Baez singled his last time up in a one-for-four afternoon. To right field, deep, Pollock backpedaling at the wall, and oh! catch it, he did. <laughs> it bounced Might have hit the wall. And then he grabbed it. Baez claiming it hit the wall. There they come. The crowd knows it, and so do the Tigers. That's a game winner. His sixth walk-off winner. So if you couldn't tell by that, the ball was initially caught. It was bobbled and then caught. They reviewed it. Turns out ball hit the wall. It's not a catch if the wall aids the catch. So because it bounced out of his glove, hit the wall, No catch, game over, and the Tigers win the game over the White Sox. Wow. What a wild one there. Uh, Finally, one one quick thing I want to talk about with the Yankees. Aaron Judge and the Yankees could not come to terms on a contract extension before yesterday's opening day. Word is that The Yankees and Brian Cashman offered eight years and roughly $230 million. That would make him the second highest paid outfielder in baseball, which I think is about right if they want to keep him or if he wants to stay. But apparently Judge wants 10 years and to be the highest paid outfielder in all of baseball, which I think is a load of crap. He's injury prone. He he's a big guy. Uh, somebody of his size has really never done it since even like Dave Winfield. And he didn't last that long. He's always injured as good as he is. Um, 10 years is just ridiculous. That would put him at 40 years old. 
and that would just be an albatross of a contract. So um, if he wants to test the market, go ahead. Let's see if anybody's offering him that kind of money. But I expect that he will be a Yankee after this season. Um, I don't think he really wants to go anywhere. I don't think the Yankees want him to go anywhere. So I think they're just playing games right now. But eventually, I think they will come to terms on a contract extension. And then finally, on this date in sports, we take it back to April 9th, 1978, with both in search of the NBA scoring title, David Thompson scored 73 points and George Gervin scored 63 points. It was the first time two players scored 60 points on the same day in the NBA since Wilt Chamberlain and Jerry West did it in 1962. Okay, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode, episode 167 of This Week in Sports. I will give you a quick update on the Masters before I let you guys go. Here we go. Uh, Yankees-Red Sox has started. Luis Severino on the hill. And, of course, in the top of the second inning, it is 2-0 Boston. Um, I don't know what happened. Let's get a play-by-play. Alex Verdugo hit a home run in the top of the second inning. So Yankees down 2 nothing there as they were yesterday. Okay, Scotty Scheffler is still at ten, is back to 10 under. Shane Lowry's at 5 under. Cameron Smith is at 4 under. Schwartzel, who's paired up with Scheffler, is at 3 under. So he's even so far. Um, Scheffler's 2 under already today. You've got uh, this Canadian, Corey Connors, is back up there now at 2 under. And Justin Thomas is even right now at one under, and Morikawa is one under, Zalatoris one under. Um, so, yeah, some guys in the mix there. But it's it's Scheffler and then everybody else. Uh, let's see, Tigers through 14. He is officially three over through 14. So he's bogeyed three holes today. Um, and I didn't see how uh, the rest of that card. Hold on. I should be able to pull it up right here. Tiger, 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 Tiger. All right, so far on the round, he bogeyed the first hole. He birdied the second. He double bogeyed at five. I heard he had a four putt on five, so that did not help. He bogeyed nine. He bogeyed 11, and he birdied uh, 12 at 13, parred 14, and he's heading to 15. So this is where hopefully he makes a little run. It would be so nice if he could birdie three out of these last couple holes and get back to even. Um, It would just be cool cool thing for him i guess but uh like i said scheffler's um gonna win this more than likely unless he absolutely chokes this away the rest of his back nine and then tomorrow but i look forward to watching this tomorrow um with that being said guys hope you enjoyed the show baseball is back let's go yankees beat them red Sox, and that's about it next week should be some great great weather um so enjoy it I'm off all week next week, so uh, I'm looking forward to some nice rest, relaxation, and I will be playing some MLB The Show 22. It is a great game. I'm so excited that it's back for its second iteration on the Xbox, and I will continue my reign as the best player in the game. So long, folks. I'll see everybody next week. Enjoy. Enjoy.